welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. This episode is a special one to me. It's one of the sessions from our Higher Ed Insights Summit 2023. If you'd rather watch the session than listen, go ahead and find all those on the Enrollment Insights blog at niche.bz insights. And under the Enrollment Insights blog in the menu, choose Higher Ed Insights Summit. Enjoy. So welcome everyone. So excited to have you here for the second session of our inaugural Higher Ed Insights Summit. I'm very excited to have both Kyle um, and James here from Washington and Jefferson College and Houston Christian University to talk about their experience with direct admissions um, and share their experience um, with the program. So just a couple housekeeping items before we get started. Um, so this session is being recorded and it will be sent to you by early next week. Um, a podcast version will also be rolled out in the higher uh, in the Enrollment Insights podcast feed. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, you can ask questions in the Zoom chat feature throughout the presentation and then we'll save them for the end um, at, um, and then ask them um, towards the end of the session. And with that, I will just pass it over to our present presenters today. Um, we'll have you kind of introduce yourselves, um, say what your role is at the university, and then tell us about the dynamics of your recruitment process. James, you want to lead us off? Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> All right. So uh, my name is Kyle D. John Domenico. I'm the director of admission here at Washington and Jefferson College. Uh, I've been at Washington and Jefferson College for about two years, uh, so I'm still new to this college, but I've been in higher ed for about eight years now. Um, so it's been really exciting to come into WMJ and be a part of that innovative uh, recruitment strategy and process, direct admission being one of those. Um, so just kind of a little bit about us. We are a small private institution, a liberal arts college located in southwestern Pennsylvania, about 30, 40 minutes south of Pittsburgh, depending on who's driving. Um, and we are funnel and our recruitment process is always changing. Um, that's the part that I love about higher education is you can look back, um, you know, last year and compare it to this year, and there are probably a slew of things that we have done differently and have changed. Um, W&J, uh, we focus in the liberal arts, we focus in the sciences, uh, we focus in um, really in-state recruitment, uh, but we're trying to branch and we're trying to change um, our funnel there. So um, with our recruitment process, we're always looking for new strategies. Uh, we're trying to be ahead of um, the competitors and ahead of the curve there. Um, so we're always looking for new things to try on, and, and that's where um, directed admissions came into play for us. Um, but we have a team of seven admissions counselors, uh, plus myself, so uh, we do have a robust team and we travel, you know, all over the United States. So um, we're looking for, you know, any student who who would fit our criteria um, here at the college. So uh, I am excited to kind of dive in a little bit more, but I'll pass it over to James. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. So I'm James Steen. Um, I'm the vice president for enrollment management and marketing here at Houston Christian University. Um, I guess something um, interesting, I mean, I've, I've been doing this about 30 years, so I literally started 30 years ago um, as an admissions counselor at Baylor University and was there for about 13 years, and I've been at Houston Christian University uh, for about 17 years now, and I think direct admit is one of the most interesting <clears throat> um, uh, exciting, uh, kind of fun new things that's hit my radar 
in a long time. And this is an interesting place in the sense that not only did we just go through a name change, so literally about a year ago in September, we switched from Houston Baptist to Houston Christian University. Um, <clears throat> so even when we rolled out Direct Admit, we were co-branding, we were partially HBU, HC. I mean, it's it's been a process uh, to get through that. Um, not to mention the fact that I picked up marketing uh, about eight months ago. Um, <clears throat> but HCU is an interesting place, just in the sense that we are very, um, as Kyle said, we're, we're fairly regional. So about 75, 80% of my students are from the Houston metro area. But because we're here in Houston and, um, and Houston is so diverse, we're majority minority in the sense that about 42% of my undergrads are Hispanic, 24% uh, are Black, and really less than 20% of my students are white. So it's it's a different kind of a place and a different dynamic here, <clears throat> but Direct Admit has definitely uh, been a positive thing for us. So I look forward to sharing more about that. Awesome. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, we'll jump right into the first question of the panel. Um, what motivated you to offer a direct pathway for students? I think for W&J, it kind of goes back to uh, our introduction here. Uh, we are always looking for new and innovative ways to uh, recruit students and really to meet them where they're at. Um, you know, we had this goal in mind to eliminate the barrier for students in applying for colleges. Uh, I think, you know, you can look at the history of the Common App, and that was a strategy for the Common App, right, to to eliminate the multiple applications that students have to complete and to kind of bring it into one uh, area. And direct admission allowed us to do that, you know, in a different way, in a different manner. Uh, we also come from an office full of uh, many first-generation students or first-generation uh, uh, employees, and we knew that you know, there's a lot of stress and anxiety that can come along with students applying to colleges. And we were hoping um, through direct admission to sort of demystify that process. Um, you know, at our institution, uh, and every institution has to answer this for themselves, but we were really comfortable, you know, putting the cart before the horse and saying, based on this information we have on you, you're eligible for admission. Um, and, you know, the data that we receive from Niche, you know, I think a, a lot of times people have the question, well, how do you actually know um, if that student was eligible for admission or not? The data that we received, we, it, it was self-reported. And what we found was that there weren't any students who reported a GPA that wasn't accurate. Um, so we gave them that chance. And, and again, I think putting them putting that decision out in front of them really demystified the process for them. Um, and, you know, when we talk about the program, their faces just light up. They get so excited hearing about it. Um, and it's something new, but it's something that they're used to. So, you know, we we wanted to be, um, you know, at the front end of that. We wanted to be the pioneers in direct admission because I don't think, um, in my opinion, this is going away. I think this is just the beginning of it. Uh, and, you know, we're so happy and so excited to be on that front end versus four or five years down the road joining it. And, you know, we've been the ones doing it for so long. So um, mm. it worked really well for us. And we were super, super excited to to just offer this another option for students um, versus setting up these barriers for them. Yeah, I'll echo what what Kyle said in the sense that, I mean, I've I've kind of gotten on my soapbox for for many years about 
you know, barriers to entry, whether that's an application fee or, you know, excessive letters of recommendation, or maybe, you know, maybe it's even test scores. Uh, but who would have ever thought that the application was a barrier to entry? Um, so I think this direct admit um, opportunity was, was uh, really an opportunity that I was thrilled to pilot in the sense that, yes, we were trying to grow enrollment. We're, we're trying to get in front of more prospective students, but, but what an incredible opportunity, not only to uh, increase applications, but as Kyle said, I mean, really in this post-COVID, you know, test optional era, I mean, all we really need is a GPA and, and I can make you an offer. Of not only are you admissible, but you're also um, eligible for X amount in terms of merit or scholarship, uh, why wouldn't I want to put that offer in front of as many students as possible who could potentially benefit from it? So yes, what, what are, you know, we weren't doing it to not grow enrollment, but, but it's obviously bigger picture, uh, a, a lot more than that of hopefully trying to serve students better, remove barriers to entry, and it's and and for us, um, I think we've been able to accomplish that in a big way. Great, thank you. Next question we have here is: How did you build support across campus for a new process? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll. I guess Kyle, we'll 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 flip flop back and forth. I'll <laughs> I'll kind of go first. I I tend to. You know, I, I tend to try new things frequently, so I'm always trying to, you know, pull pull some money aside so that I can try this initiative or try that, um, you know, new uh, potential campaign. So, so, so for me, this was was not an uncommon thing, and I, I think getting the administration. Uh, on board with it was 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 fairly easy to do, um, but but I but I do think you know kind of explaining this to faculty um, you know was a little that that was a little bit harder to do uh, trying to get them to wrap their brain around no these aren't students who have technically applied but we're offering them admit yes we're offering them admission and we're giving them a scholarship so so i think that that took a little bit longer um i talked about this at a board meeting and explained it to them and and quite honestly they were excited about it once they wrapped their brain around it um plus i also had some data uh by that point to show that we already had applicants and admits and deposits in the funnel because of this direct admit process so I think once everybody kind of understood it, um, I think they were excited about it. And, and ultimately, I think the results will, will more than justify, you know, the effort. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, we we didn't take that approach because we knew <laughs> some of the feedback we would get would be that, yeah. wait a minute, how are you admitting them? Like they, they haven't, you know, applied and you're already giving them a decision and scholarship. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we didn't at first include everybody in the conversation. Um, you know, we did this and we did it from our office and we said, we don't know how big this is going to be. We don't really know what the turnout's going to be. We're going to do it. We're going to try it. Um, and we kind of took the adage, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than beg for permission. Um, 
And so we, we did it. <laughs> um, what changed for us uh, in terms of, you know, building support across our campus uh, our campus partners was actually internally in our office. Um, we we had to do a lot of education with our counselors because they had those same questions. Well, how am I admitting this student without um, you know a, a transcript? Or how do we know that this student's admissible? So we did have to change a lot of the the education behind what the program is. And once they heard that, once they understood that, then they were able to, you know, actively advertise and, and promote the program. Um, the other areas that significantly changed for us, uh, and not a heavy lift, but it added to our workflows and our mail flows and our campaigns. So we did have to, you know, again, bridge that gap within our operations team and, um, you know, our admissions folks to make sure that when the data came in, they were coded properly, they were tagged properly, they ran through the correct communication channels, um, through the mail flow channels, things like that. Um, we worked really closely with Niche to make sure that that was established um, and that we did testing, making sure that that data came in. So, you know, across campus, um, this really wasn't something that we brought everybody into the fold under because it was a pilot program. Um, and now that we have a year under our belt, we have gone to them and said, this is the program we're doing. Here are the results, you know, to James point, the data speaks for itself. Um, and so we have those numbers that have come through and, um, everyone was, you know, on, no one gave us any grief about it. Everybody was on board. Okay, great. You guys have already done it. Um, and we're going to continue to do it. So, um, you know, four years down the road, we'll be able to analyze how those students have done at WNJ. Uh, but for the most part, the data that we have right now is really solid data for a one-year program. Um, and so, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing how that, how that changes, uh, moving forward. Um, but other than, you know, uh, educating our campus partners here in our office. Um, you know, we didn't extend the information out until recently. Um, and that's really when we started to, to communicate with all of our other departments and, and cross-campus partners. Yeah. That's awesome. Love seeing the numbers. Um, what pain points and barriers for students have you seen addressed through niche direct admissions? I think for us, um, you know, the big question, the big question that a student has when they're applying for colleges, um, you know, am I going to get in? Uh, what if I don't have the GPA to get admitted to this really great institution? Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if I should put forth the energy or effort to apply. Um, and I think those questions have been answered because we beat them to that question. Um, you know, they may not have even have been interested in WJ College, or maybe they were somewhat interested in WJ College, and we gave them this notice, we gave them this decision, and all of a sudden, now their interest has peaked. Wait a minute, I'm in. All I have to do is go through this, you know, this simple process, but I don't have to worry about you know, are there enough spots for me? Or, you know, what if I'm the, you know, 60th person with a 3.2 GPA, am I going to get in or am I, am I going to make the cut? Um, and, and I think, you know, for high school students who have been through a lot over the past four years, um, to be able to usher them into a stage where we say, hey, don't worry about it. You are good enough. You are admissible. Um, here's your, your proof. Here's your decision and your scholarship. Uh, I think that that really eliminated the, the the weight of the stress of applying for colleges. Um, you know, Juliana, we were talking earlier, and our vice president was presenting at a high school on this program. And you know, one of the when she talked about it, one of the students kind of looked at another student and just whispered. 
sort of like, wow, I really hope that like I'm direct admitted to W&J. Um, so I think this is something that now students are, are starting as we educate them, they're starting to look for. Um, you know, this is a pathway for them where it streamlines it. And, um, you know, I think James mentioned it earlier, that's the type of student that we're working with now. And if we don't meet them where they're at and we don't, you know, uh, provide pathways and opportunities for them, they will go to those institutions that are. And so, um, you know, we, we really saw that those barriers of the, am I good enough questions? Um, am I eligible questions have been removed? And, and I think students have been, um, you know, they've benefited from that. Yeah. No, I think for us, one of the um, pain points, and it wasn't really even that painful, but you know, with with all of these niche profiles <clears throat> that we were able to kind of call through and 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 set parameters on on the twenty thousand offers that we were going to make uh, as a part of this campaign, um, our our floor for uh, for test optional was like a two eight GPA. So below that, you weren't admissible. Above that, we could work with you. Um, and so we use that as the initial floor for that 20,000 cutoff. And what we, you know, again, what we realized on the back end, we do some recalculating and normalizing of GPAs. So, so by the time we got their self-reported and then we got an actual transcript in, there were some GPAs that quite frankly were not admissible, right? So, so that's an easy fix this year. We just ratcheted up to 3.0, 3.0 and above, that's what we're rolling out this year. Um, so again, was it a pain point? We just worked with them one-on-one -on -one to kind of figure out how we could admit them or we had some other options for them on the back end. But again, I mean, the, the, the vast majority of the students were very admissible and very thrilled to get the offer. So in that sense, you know, er everything, you could call it a pain point, everything worked out for the best. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, how did it change? Um, how did direct admissions change the dynamic of your funnel and name sourcing? Yeah, I think I'm a I'm a big funnel guy. If you've ever been to a conference with me, you know I love the funnel. Um, so I was I was concerned that well I don't want to generate or or load in a bunch of soft app admits to my funnel and just because they clicked on the little initial link that said yes i'm interested in this offer um i i don't physically you know put them in the funnel uh, until they have completed at least that we call it an onboarding form right so so that initial form um is is essentially the application right it's it's the application data that I need that I don't get from their niche profile that allows me to then kind of make them an, app, an applicant, a niche applicant, if you will. So once they fill out that onboarding form, they hit my funnel. They don't become an official admit until I get their high school transcript. Then when I get the high school transcript, we normalize it, we officially make them an admit, and then, right, they're, they're off to the races, hopefully moving downstream. So so for me, that process um, didn't really change the way we manage the funnel. It just, we just had to work through how and when 
these niche directed mitts actually got into the funnel? Yeah, we follow a very same path. And my recommendation is to follow that similar path. Um, I, you know, you can, you can build this funnel the way you want. You can, you know, identify all of these eligible students as applicants without them going through the process, but you will inflate your funnel numbers. Um, so if you're wanting to inflate your funnel numbers, that's an easy way to do it. However, um, I would not recommend that. We brought the students in, we tagged them, we identify them as direct admission students, drop them into a separate campaign in which they were directed to complete the onboarding form, which, you know, as James mentioned, it's it's a scaled back version of the application. Uh, it's the it's the required and questions that we need on an applicant's record that we already don't have. So we even created the form where we pre-filled the, the answers that we already had for the students. They weren't completing, um, you know, questions that we already had info on. They could update it, but they didn't have to, you know, physically type in everything. So, you know, we really streamlined it for them. And then again, we didn't count them as admit until they submitted their transcripts. Uh, and we made that easy. We put a widget upload on their form where they could upload a copy of their transcripts and they were applied and completed in the same day. Mm. Um, we, for us, we really didn't see an inflation in our application numbers. And that's what we were hoping wouldn't happen. Um, we have worked with partners in the past where they do these fast apps, they do these quick apps, and all it does is inflate the application number. They don't actually produce. Um, at the same time we were doing direct admission, we were also doing a quick app with a partner. And direct admission brought in less applications for us but more admits, more deposits. Um, and so the funnel performed better than the inflated app number that we had with this other partner because they weren't completing their applications and they weren't enrolling if they did complete. Um, so our our funnel, when I say it didn't change, I'm, I, I don't say that in a bad way. It did change. It didn't change, you know, in, in, an, in an opportunity or in an area where it's like, oh, wow, we, you know, we're reporting, you know, 6,000 apps when we typically have 4,000 apps. You know, that's not how our funnel changed, but our funnel changed in the sense that, you know, W&J is predominantly a male enrolled institution. And I know that that's sort of um, counter to a lot of institutions. They have an over-enrollment of females. Um, direct admission changed our male and female application numbers this year. Um, we had significantly more females apply for the program than we did males. Uh, so for us, this helped us solve a problem um, in a discrepancy between applications by gender. Uh, so for us, it, it did help in an area, um, and we saw those students, you know, enroll at the same rate that they were applying. So we had more females enrolled from the program than males. Um, so for us, it really did help us. And I think, you know, depending on what your strategy is as an institution, you have that in-state, out-of-state, you have that, um, you know, uh, athlete, non-athlete, you know, gender-based recruitment strategies. This is a way that you can use this tool to help you reach those students and bridge that gap in your funnel. Um, so for us, it didn't change drastically. It just changed in a good way and in a way that um, wasn't an inflating you know, numbers. Uh, it, it was legitimate students interested in, in the program. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that anecdote. Um, next, we have what feedback did you hear from students and what new types of students have you been able to reach? Yeah, so the big feedback, uh, we continue to get it even at our second year launch, uh, is the is the question, the golden question, is this real? Yes. Is this spam? Um, and we actually, the first year we did that, we got that question from a school counselor. A student had taken the email that we sent to a school counselor and the school counselor sent us and said, 
do you know that this is going out with your name on it? And we were like, yeah, th that's, that's our program. That's our, that's uh, what we're doing. Um, and so this, you know, a, a lot of the initial feedback was, I, 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 is this real? I can't believe it. Right. Um, I just re read a text message the other day from a message we sent out and the student responded back and said, wait a minute, WJ is one of my top institutions. I, I, can can you call me and, and verify if this is real? Uh, and so, you know, we contacted the student and said, absolutely. And the student was thrilled, did his application, submitted everything, but couldn't believe that, that we were a top school for him. And he already got his decision without even applying. Um, I've seen posts on um, Facebook where we send out letters uh, seven days into the, when we upload them into the system. And on the big letter, it's a big, bold print that's like, yes, it's true. You're in. Um, and I saw a mom post it on Facebook and say, you know, little Johnny has been admitted to his first institution. She was so excited about it. Uh, so, you know, I think there is still, and we talk with Niche all the time about this, there's still some education that has to come with the program uh, as more and more students do it. And as we uh, advertise it more and more, it will become a norm. Uh, but at first it can seem a little bit like clickbait. Like mm -hmm. click here, um, see what you need to do next. Uh, but so it has taken us to a level of, okay, we know we're going to do this program again. Let's start an awareness campaign. Let's do education on what this is to students who may be eligible for that. Um, and not only, you know, that going through that process, but that primes them for getting, you know, when it's their turn, their senior year to be ready for that. Um, but, you know, kind of, as I mentioned before, uh, we were able to reach uh, um, a different, uh, a different gender of students than what we have in our historical recruitment efforts. Um, and we also saw an interesting um, it wasn't a, a significant um, change, but we saw an increased interest in uh, out-of-state students. Um, and that's an area where we are trying to expand our markets. Uh, so for us to see that tick up in out-of-state students was also important. Again, it wasn't hundreds and hundreds of students, but it was an increase in our funnel. And so we were happy with that. And we do attribute that, you know, solely to, to our direct admission program. Um, and I don't think that we would have hit those areas if we didn't have this program. So for us, you know, we, we thought it a, a big success. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Kyle, we were literally the exact same experience when, when, when this first rolled out, I mean, we got phone calls, we got emails, you know, students were, were legitimately, you know, are, is this real? Uh, can you explain this? Uh, we had some parents call. Uh, we also had some high school counselors reach out to us to try to verify if this was legit or not. Um, and so <clears throat> we also, we do these counselor luncheons, um, around the state. And so we started talking about this at all of our counselor luncheons, just so they knew that this was legit, this was a real thing. Um, and we, you know, almost to your point, you know, where you had the student who wished that she had been included, we had high school counselors say, how can I get my students into this direct admit, right? So, so once they get it, I think they're excited about it. And we also have seen an uptick in our non-Houston um, app admits uh, because of direct admit. We haven't done the full kind of post-mortem or post-census analysis of, you know, our, you know, we've, we've got over a thousand applicants and about 650 niche direct admits. 
in the funnel. We're 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 officially at about 46 enrolled freshmen uh, right now who directly came from niche direct admit. So we haven't done the post mortem on that yet, but yeah, I, there's going to be some other interesting things that I know we'll discover once we get past census. That's awesome. That those numbers are really exciting. All right. What is your one biggest takeaway from the program? So I would say my biggest takeaway is that uh, direct admissions works. Um, and, you know, out of those 46 enrolled freshmen uh, that we literally have from our niche direct admit campaign, that's over uh, that's net, you know, 600,000 in, in revenue for the institution that we would not have had otherwise. And that's that's net after the cost to do niche direct admit. Ironically, yesterday in Inside Higher Education, there was an article uh, titled Direct Admissions Boost Applications, but not Enrollment. Um, so I don't know, my, my honestly, my initial thought was great. Well, maybe all the other enrollment managers out there will read that article and not try to do this because I'm, I'm going to keep doing it because I know it works. Uh, we've, we've been thrilled with it. And, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, if, if there's anybody that uh, I need to convince here internally um, that, you know, may have been on the bubble in terms of wrapping the brain around this thing. We've got phenomenal data. We've literally got 46 freshmen enrolled today because of niche direct admit. So yeah, my biggest takeaway is it absolutely positively works. Uh, I think our biggest takeaway, uh, or my biggest takeaway at least, uh, you know, can kind of boil down to one word and it's pioneer. Um, you know, this is a program and the answer really goes back to the answer to, I think the first question that we talked about, um, you know, we, higher education is ultra competitive right now. Uh, in our market in Pennsylvania, the rate of uh, eligible seniors graduating high school has, is decreasing and only looks worse moving forward. But at the end of the day, as higher education institutions, we're all in the same boat. Our goal is to get students to college, to educate them, to provide a great experience for them, and to you know produce these students or these leaders to go out into the world and change the world. Uh, and so, you know, being a part of a process that, um, uh, you know, again, I, I know I've said this a hundred times, eliminates the barriers for students was really fulfilling, um, and I think it was. Uh, something that I'm, I'm most proud of for my short time here at WNJ. We're an old institution. Uh, we were founded in 1781. And so we've been around for a very long time. I never would have thought an institution at our age would be, you know, leading uh, our colleagues in this type of uh, adventure. And, and it's been really, really exciting. I have Loved seeing the numbers work through the funnel. I, lo I have loved the questions that students get. You know, James brought up a good point. The school counselors are asking questions, uh, and, and it's it's exciting. It's it's something that's innovative. It's great being on the, the front of this. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, meeting those students where they're at, helping them through this process, creating less barriers for them, removing barriers for them. Uh, really, really has, has has been fulfilling. Um, and I know that that's a selfish kind of personal uh, feeling, but, you know, that's my biggest takeaway from the program. I think if you ask a student their biggest takeaway from the program, they're probably going to say something very similar. Um, I didn't think 
you know, I was good enough or I didn't think that I would get into my number one school. Uh, and, you know, having that school deliver that news to them before they've even started that process um, is such an exciting piece. Um, I am really, really excited for this next group of students we have launched and we have um, our funnel rolling in and we're, where we ended last year in terms of application numbers, we're 50% of the way there and we have only been live for a few weeks. Um, so I, I, it's, it's really exciting and I just can't wait to see where this takes us and how it takes us off. Thank you. Yeah, the student impact piece there is so meaningful. All right, I think we're going to give everyone a minute to submit questions. Um, if anything wasn't addressed that you're curious about or would like to learn more about here, um, please feel free to submit them using the Q&A uh, feature in Zoom. Uh, we did have one question come in earlier that I'll, that I'll pose right now. Um, so someone asked, were there any reservations about perceived decline in selectivity or reputation in this decision? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I mentioned it earlier that, you know, we we definitely have ratcheted up a, a little on the bottom end of who we're putting direct admit offers out there to. But 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 ultimately, um, you know, I mean, let's be honest, direct admit is not for, you know, flagship public institutions or elite privates. Right. I mean, this is the, the, the it's it's where the rest of us are kind of, uh, you want to say, at the bottom of the food chain, right? Competing very, uh, uh, you know, aggressively for for students and their attention and, um, and quite frankly, helping them understand what options are out there and available for them. So um, from a selectivity standpoint, I mean, I, I, these are exactly the type of students that I know how to serve, that I work with, that are, you know, 30, 40% first gen, majority Pell eligible. I know how to work with those students. We know how to serve those students. And if I can get in front of more of them and make them aware of opportunities that they might not otherwise know about, it's a it's a win-win. So from a selectivity standpoint, we, we have not seen, uh, and I don't expect to experience any decline whatsoever in, in that area. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think we set up our parameters and you set your parameters up with niche of who you identify as direct admission. Uh, and we stand by that in our regular funnel. If our cutoff is a 3.2 GPA, yeah. we're comfortable telling a student who has a 3.2 GPA that you're admitted because if they would apply through the traditional route, they would be admitted. And so I, I think a school has to decide what is our threshold, you know, if they have that perception of, you know, we don't really want to broadcast that we admit 3.0. So let's kick it up to like a 3.2 or a 3.3. Great. You're going to get students who fit that criteria, meet that criteria, and you're going to be the one that delivers that news to them. Now, you know, kind of as James mentioned, it's not for everybody. Uh, um, some institutions, if you have certain seats and certain, you know, programs or, you have limited space or something along those lines, you might need to tighten up your parameters. But for us as an institution, we were comfortable and confident enough to say, if the student has this GPA, we're admitting them. Um, and that was if it's through direct admission or if it's through the standard GPA route. We have set those as an office and as an institution. Um, so if you do that, I think you won't have a problem with the selective, selective selectivity or reputation problem. Agreed. Thank you. Uh, we had a couple more questions come in. Iris would like to know, did you have issues with affordability for students admitted? And then were there any issues getting them to do FAFSAs? 
No, uh, we didn't have issues with affordability for students because they knew their scholarship as well. Uh, we set the parameters up for our scholarships based on the GPA, and we were able to do that. I know not every institution may be able to, but we were able to do that. Um, Two, it's hard to say. We had a problem with FAFSAs here as an institution in general. Um, so I don't know that that is attributed to direct admission. I think that that's a bigger problem uh, in the state of Pennsylvania here for our students. So no to the first answer, yes to the second answer, but um, I don't think that that, again, was attributed solely to direct admission. There's other uh, outliers there. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I would agree. Actually, my melt on these niche direct admits and um, and registrants that I've had has actually been lower than several of my other traditional app sources. Um, so I, I expected them to be a little bit softer on the admit and uh, and and deposit side, and that actually has not been the case. They're they are yielding um, at or slightly above average currently. So we're we're very happy not only with the quality, but yeah, but their ability to financially settle um, ha has at least up until this point been uh, been very, very successful. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, Jason would like to know, have mm -hmm. there been students that feel like they're missing out on something because they aren't, I believe, writing rec letters or essays for their applications? <laughs> You know, I think I think from my perspective, once once they get into the process and it looks different uh, with the onboarding form and, you know, but but once once they submit a high school transcript and they're in the process, they are I mean, they're, they're part of the same, you know, app admit flow as as everybody else. And so. You know, I I don't know. They're still welcome to upload documents and submit anything. We we are again going back to those barriers to entry. Um, you know, we we encourage students, but we don't require students to submit. You know, uh, a ton of letters of recommendation or you know um, you know multiple essays. So. So in that sense, you know, are they missing out on it? Maybe, but but I'm also getting them further down the funnel so that they're aware of some of these other opportunities that they might not know about otherwise. So it's a, I think it's a positive trade-off from our perspective. Yeah, I agree. We don't require those as well, for, even for our traditional application. So students do submit them, uh, especially uh, common ap applicants. Um, so I, I don't know that, um, you know, I can confidently say they did or did not feel like they were missing out on, on something. Um, but we gave them, you know, sort of, a, as James highlighted, the same opportunity that any application or any applicant would have to upload those materials. Um, what we are doing this year differently is we have a leadership scholarship that students are able to apply for. And so, you know, we're hoping and, and you know, driving those students towards if they have a letter of recommendation or essay and, and they think they're eligible for the scholarship, you know, we're, we really want to utilize those. And so we'll notify those students and tell them about that, especially so they feel like, wow, all this work and effort that I put to getting these letters of recommendation and effort I put into writing this essay is not going into vain. I'm, they're actually using it in, in some evaluative capacity. Um, so we're not using it in the admissions process because, again, we've determined they're eligible based on their GPA. 
but we do want to use those in other capacities. And so we're, we're hoping that this year, you know, we'll put those to, you know, use at, at a different rate. Um, another scholarship question kind of building off of that, Karen would like to know, can you describe how you awarded scholarships? Um, was there a general minimum or did students receive an additional award amount on top of that initial award? Every student at WNJ receives a, a merit scholarship. It's based on GPA. Uh, and so, you know, we confidently tell students if you're admissible to the institution, you're eligible for a scholarship as long as you're full time degree seeking. Um, and so every student received a scholarship. Those students who were direct admission fell through, fell into the same financial aid model that all of our students fell through. So if we were awarding certain grants to certain students, whether or not they were direct admission or not, they could still qualify for those, you know, institutional grants, you know, so on and so forth. So they may have received additional funding. It really depends on how they fell in our financial aid model. Uh, but they, you know, may have just received their merit scholarship and that's it because of income or, you know, some other parameter. Absolutely. Yeah. Kyle and I are, are taking the same play from the same playbook. So we're, we're the exact same way. We call them trigger awards. So you've got this GPA, you get this merit award, this GPA. So, so it's really easy. I mean, all you need or all we need is is their their high school GPA and not only can we make them a, an admissions offer but also a merit award offer and um, again all of our freshmen as well qualify for something right so within the different five levels um, they're getting some type of merit aid so it's it's really easy once you get that even that self-reported GPA just to slot them right into an offer uh, with a merit award that they can take advantage of. Thank you. Um, Carol is asking, if you don't consider students admitted admitted until they have done the onboarding form and submitted a transcript, how are you phrasing it to the student? Yeah, we, we call them, they're, they're base, it's a conditional offer. Um, so they're, they're basically conditional admits. Uh, so, so until we get that high school transcript officially, they're a, they're a conditional admit. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, we have, we're lucky enough where we have an individual who works in our office who's a robust, um, slate communicator and has very, very, um, uh, detailed communication plans for us. So we have this really great message that goes out, um, on, I think it's like day two when they're uploaded into our system, we give them a day um, and it has a video embedded in it. And it's our Dean of Admission saying, hey, congratulations. Here's what this program is. Here's some information. You know, we're identifying you as someone who's eligible for acceptance. Um, so we we don't quite say, you know, here's your acceptance letter, but do all this. We'd say you are eligible for acceptance. You have been identified as someone who's eligible and here's a scholarship amount um, that you may qualify for. But in order to finalize this process, in order to formalize this process, visit our landing page. We have a landing page that has three steps they need to do. They need to complete the onboarding form, they need to submit their transcripts, and then they need to share the news with you know, whoever they want to share the news with and celebrate. So we have them do that form, we have them submit their transcripts, we send them through the same read process that any application receives. We know that they're tagged as admit, we know that they're direct admission, so we don't have to worry about 
you know, is the student going to be eligible or not, but we do our due diligence, we still send them through the same review process. Then they receive their formal, you know, nice official acceptance packet in the mail and, you know, all sorts of good things come after that. But um, it's just something that we tell them, you know, you're in, you just have to do X, Y, you know, and Z to complete this process. But we basically don't want you, you know, to feel like, you don't have a shot or you don't have a chance. Um, we say it more eloquently than that. Um, but we found that, you know, once students get that initial email, it makes sense to them as to why they're being, you know, identified as this group. Um, and then we drop them into a campaign where they get a series of emails if they haven't applied, you know, we add in text messages in there. So it's very built out and, and, and robust. Uh, and we find that it drives them through and, and gets them to that, that landing page. Awesome, thank you. Um, and then James, there's a question for you if you're comfortable sharing. Um, Ruben would like to know, what percentage of your enrollment does the 46 new freshmen represent? All right, so we're we're sitting on about 700 freshmen right now. So 46, so that was about a six and a half percent bump in enrollment. So six and a half percent of the class is from direct admit. Thank you. Um, I don't see any other questions coming in, so I think we will wrap, um, but just want to thank both of our speakers so much for sharing their experience. Um, and if they'd have any closing words, um, I'll pass it over to them. I would just say thank you guys for, for entertaining the idea of direct admission. Uh, it is new. It is exciting. Uh, there is some apprehension behind it, but I would encourage you to embrace it. Uh, again, you know, as I mentioned, we're all in the same boat. Our goal is to, to get students to better spots in their lives, and this is one area to do it. I'll be the first to say it's not for everybody, but if you think that your institution is a good fit for this or it may be an option for you, just reach out, um, you know, any of their partners. I've, I've talked to a couple other institutions. We're happy to help, um, you know, answer some of those questions and put to ease some of those nerves, but it's it's worth it. It is definitely worth doing. And I would encourage you to, to look into it further. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, and I think the exciting thing or the, you know, the fun thing about direct admission is that, you know, in the future, the very near future, possibly like, there, there's ramifications on student search, right? So maybe maybe student search isn't what student search has been traditionally. Maybe student search kind of becomes direct admission, and we're 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 basically going out to students, prospective students, to prospects, uh, those that haven't even inquired yet, with offers for acceptance and admission, and and even scholarship offers, right? So I mean, there's. That's just one example. There's all kinds of ramifications, I think, for uh, direct admissions that we haven't even discovered or tested or explored yet. But it, um, it, it, you know, a, as a process, um, I, I think the proof is in the pudding. And I think from my perspective and Kyle's perspective, it does work. Um, so if it's something you're even remotely curious about, whether you're trying to get a campaign going internally on your own just to test it or whether you want to do something with niche, I would just say if you're interested in it, figure out a way to pilot, test, just do something to see if it might be a good fit for your institution. Awesome. 
All right, thank you both so much. And thank you everyone for attending our panel. Um, stay tuned for the rest of the day. There's so much great content coming up um, with the rest of our Insight Summit. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks.